Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from disparate locations at Lambeau Field. And Wes, there's more of uh, the draft class, the 13-player 2023 draft class to review, and we will get to that in a moment. But before that, there was a pretty significant bit of news uh, just the other day. The Packers have extended Jordan Love's contract. Now, he was in a situation where he was in the final year of his rookie deal, but there was a deadline to exercise or not exercise the fifth-year option, which is part of a first-round draft picks contract. And a lot of times the business of football is something that uh, that can be acrimonious. It can be kind of ugly at times. In this case, the business of football generated something that really makes a heck of a lot of sense for both sides as the Packers make this transition to Jordan Love and see what the future holds. Do you know why I'm sitting here in this spot and not up on three right now, like Russ Ball? <laughs> that contract the Packers did with Jordan Love, because I'll be honest with you, Mike, until we actually saw the report, until we saw the release come across your desk, I hadn't even considered the possibility of the Packers end up just coming to terms with him on a two-year deal as opposed to picking up the fifth-year option. Because as you said, it works out well for both parties. Some people might say, well, for Jordan Love, well, why do this? You're going to get $20 million guaranteed if they pick it up. But the thing is, you're going to get that money next year. By doing it now, he gets the signing bonus. He, he's able to get a little bit more cash pushed into this season. That benefits him rather than playing on the fourth year of his rookie contract. In addition... It also avoids the awkwardness of the Packers saying, hey, we're not going to exercise. You're our guy, but we're not going to exercise a fifth-year option because as I was told yesterday by Packers Hall of Fame curator Brent Hensel when I was working out down in the staff fitness area, oh. I think there was only something like 11 or 12 of the 32 teams actually exercised the fifth-year option on their their first-round picks from 2020. Right, only, tw only 12 had the fifth-year option exercise as it turned out. And is it, it, it's just incredible when you look at there's different scales to what those contracts could be. And Mike, they're getting pretty pricey to be able to exercise that option. So for the Packers perspective, not only does it allow you now to have Jordan under control, team control for two seasons, 
if Jordan plays really well this year, it allows them to work an extension to use next season as a way to leverage that signing bonus with the proration. And from Jordan's perspective, for a young man that got a big signing bonus three years ago as a first round pick, it allows him to get a little bit more of a boost now as he enters year four. Yeah. And from a cap perspective, the Packers are taking on a little bit more money uh, on Jordan Love's contract on this year's cap. And they restructured Darnell Savage to kind of make room for that and, and to spread some things out. But then it also takes uh, off the table, at least for now, for 2024, having that entire fifth year option be that, you know, single one year, like, you know, big cap hit. So, uh, so it's about for the Packers, it's also about managing managing the cap in 2024. And then the contract is structured as such where quite frankly, Jordan love can end up making more money than he would have on the fifth year option. If he plays well and, you know, and gets the playing time and hits various incentives and whatnot. So there, there were incentives built in for Jordan love to sign this because over 2023 and 2024, he has a chance to actually make more money than he would have. Um, just playing out his contract and then getting the option picked up. So like it, like, like I said, it it's something that just makes a heck of a lot of sense for both sides. A very unique situation, obviously, where the Packers had to make this decision on the fifth year option on the new quarterback when he hasn't been, you know, QB one, he hasn't been the starting quarterback in green Bay yet to where you, you really have that full evaluation. So something that makes sense for both sides and, and also, just kind of puts things at ease a little bit in terms of, okay, Jordan loves under contract for two more years. This is how it's structured. And if he plays well, I'm sure they will start talking about an extension before this particular extension runs out at the end of 2024. And if things don't go well, which obviously nobody wants, but if things don't go well, the Packers have mitigated their financial risk a little bit and set things up then to, uh, you know, to move forward in, in another direction. Yeah. While paying him to be the starting quarterback, because there's no, right. this season, there's no questions. There's no equivocation. Jordan Love is the guy and he gets paid like that now, rather than being a young man playing on a, a fifth year contract. The other thing I just want to touch on quickly that I think was really smart from Green Bay's perspective is with all due respect to Daniel Jones, he had a nice season last year, but you look at what happened with that purgatory that him and the Giants fell into where they declined his fifth year option. Right. He actually makes some improvements, but probably doesn't reach like quite a Pro Bowl type level this year with Brian Dobble. Well, then they had to end up paying him four years, $160 million. And now you're hoping that he can carry that over. For the Packers now, again, it gives them two years to learn a lot about Jordan Love yeah. here and determine if this is going to be the guy for the future. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones, hats off to him. I mean, he he ended up not getting the option picked up. He he played well enough to get the Giants to the playoffs. They won a road game in the playoffs at Minnesota, and he ended up getting paid big-time quarterback dollars, you know, really off of that, that one playoff victory, which was a tremendous performance by him. Um, kind of, you know, you go back to, you know, when Joe Flacco was playing out his contract Absolutely. and ended up winning the Super Bowl, cashed in big time off of that Super Bowl win. And, and uh, you know, that was a, a tough spot for the for the Ravens to be. And so the Packers trying to avoid that, trying to be fair to the player. And it makes sense for Jordan Love, as we talked about in terms of the the, the financial incentives for him and to get um, to get more money in in his pocket now. So um, with regard to the draft class, I know we we kind of rehashed a lot of it on our last show i want to throw some different questions at you and this show truly is unscripted west doesn't know what i'm going to ask him 
But the advantage that he gets is he gets to answer the questions before I get to answer and I don't get to repeat <laughs> his answers. So um, 13 player draft class, obviously lots of guys that we talked about and their potential heading into 2023 and the future. My first question for you, Wes, is which of the offensive draft picks do you believe will make the biggest impact on this team as a rookie? Yeah, it's the the clear answer here. I think is Jaden Reed. Uh, I'm going to be stealing the top pick right off of the board there, and for two big reasons. One, before Jaden got to Michigan State, he was actually at Western Michigan playing for Tim Lester, who's now uh, on the Packers staff as a senior analyst. Right. If you remember going back 15, 16, 17 years ago, Mike. The Green Bay Packers drafted a young man in the second round out of Western Michigan in Greg Jennings. Greg was uh, an absolute natural talent in this league. So I don't want to draw comparisons between Reed and Jennings. The one thing, though, that I think is indisputable is the fact that I think Jaden is going to get a similar opportunity that Greg got in 2006 when he came in here to play right off the bat and show what his skill set is. The Green Bay Packers, Mike, if you look at how these free agent wideouts look right now, um, now with Randall Cobb signing with the New York Jets, there isn't a lot out there, to be honest with you. And I think it really would behoove the Packers at this point, at least through the offseason program, seeing if maybe somebody gets, you know, comes unattached later this summer to just let these young guys play it out. Let them get these reps with Jordan Love. Let them get comfortable in this offense and see who shines. And I feel like Jaden Reed with his skill set, being able to do the jet sweep stuff, being able to gain separation across the middle, being able to make contested catches. This young man with how physical he plays the game, don't look just at the height and the weight with him. Look at the overall football player. I, I think there is a golden opportunity for this kid as a second round pick to make a contribution his rookie year. Yeah, and I totally agree with you in that regard. My selection in this category is, and I'm going to hedge a little bit here, but I'm going to say it's going to be one of the two tight ends. It's either going to be Luke Musgrave or Tucker Craft, and I'm I'm just I'm not sure which one because both of these both of these young men have um, have an obstacle, for lack of a better word, to overcome to make an impact as a rookie, but very different obstacles from Musgrave's point of view. It's the fact that he only played two games his final year in college before getting injured. It's been a long time since he's really been in, you know, full speed preparation, playing football mode. So we don't really know how that's going to go with Tucker craft. It's making that jump from the FCS all the way to the NFL, having played at a smaller school, now played in a lot of big games, won a national championship at South Dakota State and all that. But there is a big jump in the competition from FCS to the NFL, but even more so than, say, uh, most FBS programs. So um, so they each have that to overcome. But the reason I'm pointing to the tight ends is is just because the op- of the opportunity that I think will be there when Josiah DeGuara and Tyler Davis are the tight ends who are coming back neither one of them established themselves as as a featured tight end in this offense during their time here yet now that potentially could still happen they have the experience they played in the NFL they know this offense and the packers are going to be looking to them to be leaders so i don't want to discount them entirely but the opportunity at tight end is tremendous uh for these two young guys in Musgrave and Kraft to come in so that's where i lean uh in terms of the offensive impact as a rookie 
Yeah, and the interesting thing about both Musgrave and Kraft is that they're probably going to get a chance to play right away. When you look at the tight end position, especially in Green Bay, that hasn't always been a given. Uh, Richard Rodgers, when they drafted him in 2014, Andrew Corliss, you know, was the starter at that point. When they drafted Jermichael Finley in 2009, it was Donald Lee who had been kind of entrenched there for a few seasons. There's always been this transition point. And right now, depending on what happens with Mercedes Lewis, uh, if he doesn't return, the, the Green Bay Packers are very easily going to be rolling with these two guys as inline options right from day one. There'll be lumps that go, you know, along with that. But if you look at the overall skill sets there, these guys are in those that six foot five, 250 to 260 pound range. There's no confusion there. These are legitimate, big bodied, full tight ends that can also run pretty well, especially in Musgrave's case. I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to stretch defenses vertically. Very exciting uh, to see where those guys are going to take this thing because, again, much like with Reed, they are going to have an opportunity off the bat, right out of Jump Street, to contribute uh, out of the gate. Yeah, and to go back to your selection too, what I'm most excited about with Reed, and we talked about it on our last show, is just seeing a very different physical profile, a different a different body type, a different skill set. Uh, being incorporated into this offense as the, you know, quote unquote slot receiver or jet sweep option type of guy, that type of physical profile, we haven't seen it yet in this role in Matt LaFleur's offense. So I think, uh, I think there's um, potentially a lot of excitement and interest there. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Um, same question for you on the defensive side of the ball, except you're not allowed to pick Kyle Van Ness because as we talked about on our last show, he very well could be starting week one first snap of the season on the opposite side from Preston Smith if Rashawn Gary is not all the way back from uh, from his knee injury yet so Lucas Van Ness would be too obvious a pick in terms of um, defensive impact from a rookie so aside from him is there somebody that uh, that you think the fans should have their eye on I love the Carl Brooks pick, Mike, even from the moment that I started working on his bulletin when you and I are sitting in the media auditorium on last Saturday, this guy is Mike Daniel, Mike Daniels Jr. to me. I mean, and I think for whatever reason, the NFL still hasn't caught on to six foot two, six foot three, 300 pounds, three technique defensive tackles. I've been covering this league for 10 years and it still seems like that position just doesn't get as enough respect. We've seen as I mentioned, Daniels, we've seen Aaron Donald, Geno Adkins. I mean, the number of these guys that have been not just rotational third down rushers, but three down players has skyrocketed. Now Brooks is going to make a big transition. Bowling green played him off the edge quite a bit. 
He's going to have to show he can play inside, but based on the senior bowl, the Packers saw a lot of attributes they like And Michael. I don't care who you're playing when you can consistently perform at the level that Brooks did from true freshman year to his senior year at Bowling Green. This young man put up incredible numbers, his pressures last year, I think, Pro Football Focus had him down with 62 pressures, the third most in FBS. As Lance Zerline said when you and I did one of our recap shows, don't just look at the Mac and discount what this kid did. This kid was a ball player from day one at that school. So just very excited to see what he could potentially add because I feel like since the Kingsley Kiki thing didn't really work out, since they lost Daniels, they haven't had that type of guy that can come in and take some of that interior rush away some of those responsibilities away from, from Kenny Clark. This could be the dude if he shows that he can have the type of skill set that translates to the pro game. Yeah, and I'm going to go a little bit different direction on this one. I'm actually going to go with Carrington Valentine, the cornerback out of Kentucky. And the reason I pick him, a couple of different reasons. With you, you look at the Packers secondary right now at cornerback. The Packers really like what they have, obviously. You have veterans like Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas. You're going to give Keyshawn Nixon every opportunity to be that nickel corner. You have Eric Stokes coming back from the injury. But I'll say this with regard to Valentine's, you know, potential impact and opportunity. We don't necessarily know how things are going to go with Keyshawn Nixon at the nickel. He's not been a full-time defensive player in a role like that yet in the NFL. The Packers have a ton of confidence in him. Everybody wants it to go well, but you just never know. You also don't know with regard to Stokes injury, pretty serious injury that he had last year, same game as Gary, the game in, in Detroit and all signs, at least from what we've heard so far, things looking pretty good. But again, you just don't know when Eric Stokes will be back and at a hundred percent. And on top of that, even if you take out all those caveats and those are your top four cornerbacks, the Packers are going to play plenty of dime defense, you know, yeah. with four cornerbacks on the field. If any one of those four, you know, tweaks a hamstring, tweaks an ankle, whatever. Carrington Valentine might be the next guy. I'm not saying he will be. He might be the next guy up who's going to be playing snaps in the dime. It's entirely possible. Obviously, the Packers also sometimes use a third safety in the dime instead of another corner. There will be other options there. But if he balls out in training camp and puts himself in that spot on the depth chart, then suddenly he's one snap away from being a key guy in the dime. So, a lot of, you know, ifs, ands, and buts in, in, in that type of answer. But, uh, um, but I do think he's a young man to keep an eye on. And then also uh, a potential uh, special teams impact player as well, just based on uh, his position and his profile coming out of college. Yeah. I honestly don't think there's any way you can go wrong with Valentine this year. Uh, if it ends up working out that he plays out of the gate, as you kind of outlined that that's a win. I mean, the young man getting those type of reps early on could be really beneficial for his long-term prospects, given what, you know, guys like Mel Kuyper have said about him. I also think with him being as young as he is, the fact, that he was a junior entrant into this year's draft if he sits the entire season that also could be really helpful for him down the line he is by the definition of his own word a press man corner a guy that likes to play physical a guy that likes the challenge of lining up against somebody and trying to shut them down on an island outside that's the one area where I felt like Green Bay was kind of needing some bodies this offseason because with the situation with Stokes not knowing what that was, with the fact that Rasul Douglas is out there for now, but is really maybe their most versatile option in terms of needing to plug and play somewhere else based on injuries, they haven't necessarily had the guy that can be the next perimeter man up. 
Uh, I just think that Valentine, that's going to be an awesome opportunity for him coming in and also seeing, as you said, Mike, who emerges in the nickel, who emerges in the dime? What happens if you move guys around at safety? If somebody moves down into the box at times, then who's right. filling in in the back end? It's not just going to be Valentine competing with his position group in those corners. It's going to be competing with Innis Gaines. It's going to be competing, you know, with some of those returning star, you know, veterans from last year, like Rudy Ford and Dallin Levitt. So many different ways this thing can go. But for Green Bay, a team that is kind of in a transition right now with, with Adrian Amos not being re-signed at the moment, that could very well mean one of these young guys that we don't necessarily are going to be talking a lot about this summer could end up being an, uh, an entrenched player on this defense come September. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a couple more questions for you, Wes, but I want to get to some sponsor business here first. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs. 50 years of better. All right, my next question for you. The Packers drafted four players in the seventh round of this draft. And over the last 25 years here in Green Bay, we have seen seventh rounders like Donald Driver, Mark Tauscher, Scott Wells, Sam Barrington, Brad Jones, guys who have, you know, taken that seventh round selection and 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 created a career, careers of different degrees for themselves. So my question to you is with regard to the four seventh round picks, don't sleep on who Anthony Johnson, Jr. I, I was surprised he was still there. Uh, as I was talking to you about Mike, our general knowledge of prospects dwindles, right? We are not going to know the Carrington Valentines as well. Valentines as well as the scouts will right. come those final, you know, 50 picks. Right. But Anthony Johnson Jr. was actually one I did notice in the pre-draft process as you're kind of looking at who could be safety options. Certainly Brian Branch was there earlier, the Penn State kid. But Johnson, once he was on the board still in the seventh round, I thought this guy made a lot of sense for Green Bay because he checks one of the major boxes for Green Bay in that there is a lot of value. There's a lot of, you know, potential with a guy that's making a transition from cornerback to safety. He's basically playing a new position. Thought it was very mature of him to go back to Iowa state this past year, working with Matt Campbell, understanding that, Hey, if I want to be a pro and then my position is going to be safety, I need to learn that position at the college level, as opposed to being an undrafted free agent, trying to make a transition in a tra NFL training camp. He put in those hours. I think the upside is there. But the fact of the matter is the kid played 62 college games, Mike. He had 54 starts at Iowa State. Hearing him talk on the, ra on, on the radio, on the conference <laughs> call, I, again, I kept hearing Micah Hyde in my ear. I, it just he's, He is mature, he is posed, and he is really confident in what he can do on the field. Not in an arrogant way, just in a, hey, I just need an opportunity and I'll show you kind of way of doing things. And, and the fact that he ended up being a second team, all big 12 safety last year, he finally got his first two college interceptions. I think the, their Packers are only scratching the surface with this kid and even better in his perspective, it's a position of need for green Bay. We don't know who's going to be lining up next to Darnell Savage yet. And now you have a young guy that you can put into the system and see what you have. Yeah. I really like that. I like that pick as well in terms of, you know, not sleeping on a seventh round pick. I'll just also throw out there. Grant Dubose, the, 
uh, the wide receiver from Charlotte. And, uh, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, it's like, obviously everybody knows Donald driver's seventh round story and he's the, you know, leading receiver in franchise history. I'm not going to go there, um, with, with Grant DuBose by any means, but his story is very interesting in terms of, you know, playing at a school that then essentially canceled its football program during COVID. He's not even really sure, you know, wh- where, where to go. He ends up at a, at a program like Charlotte and, you know, having taken, a chunk of time off from football and he plays really, really well and plays himself yeah. on onto draft boards and, and, uh, and get some notice. He's a, he's a, he's a wide receiver. You know, you, you throw around the term raw prospect, you know, and that gets tossed around a lot, but he really is kind of the definition of that. Like nobody knows just how good he might be because quite frankly, he hasn't played a lot of high level football yet, but what he, what he has done and when he has played, he's produced. So, um, there, there are a lot, there's, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of upside there, uh, a lot of unknown as to, as to just how good he can be. And he's coming into, um, he's coming into a receiver room that is awfully young as we ta- as we talked about on our previous shows that, uh, a lot of these young guys are going to be taking their lumps and learning things together and all that. And you just never know if maybe a seventh round pick, you know, who was actually the last of the Packers 13 selections, um, you know, ends up being a guy who starts to uh, who starts to rise up when uh, when the pads go on in training camp and with those preseason games, we'll just have to see. So very intriguing prospect for a guy that the Packers selected 13th out of their 13 um, picks there. So, so many, um, so many things to like too about it, about DuBose too, if I can just add this in Mike, in addition to the fact that I don't know if you got a chance to see his video of him getting selected it's probably up there with Tucker craft as far as the most emotional uh, and also probably the most entertaining. I mean, that young man could not get his family to be quiet, to, to talk on the <laughs> phone. He must've had 45 people in his, in his house and everybody was just going absolutely crazy. And if you look at his story, the fact that he got one scholarship offer coming out, uh, out of Montgomery, he ends up, as you said, the program suspended. He had a kid he knew from Montgomery that he kind of got in a circle with practicing. And he's the one that encouraged him to go try out at Charlotte. The kid, his first target at the school, his junior season is a 56 yard touchdown against Duke. And for to have 126 catches in two seasons to put himself on the radar, the way he has, these are the type of stories you root for as fans, but also from scouts that you really salivate about because you don't even know what this kid could, could potentially do. And when you're taking flyers on guys in the 17th, or the, you know, the seventh round 13th pick, you want to find attributes. You want to find things that jump off the film and Dubose definitely checks all of those boxes. Yeah. And it's funny just to go back to one of your other selections, when you talk about, you know, stories and maybe guys you want to dig into a little bit more and just find out their story. Carl Brooks from Bowling Green is that guy for me, just because, Bowling Green, he is he is the only the third draft pick from that school in the last 15 years. All three of those draft picks in a 15-year span have all been sixth rounders. Yeah. So a football factory bowling green is not, right? And this is a young man who had would have had every opportunity to to go somewhere, you know, a, a higher profile school to raise his own personal profile, potentially um, getting out of a, a program that, that was really struggling. And yet he ends up staying there five years, you know, starting 40 plus close to 50 games or, or whatever. And, you know, to me, his story is it's like, why did you stay? Like, why did you stay at Bowling Green? How, you know, 
how attractive might it have been to go somewhere else? Do you think you were taking a risk with your own future by staying there as opposed to trying to raise your profile? Like that kind of thing. So his, his story to me is very interesting as well. So, and it was so funny how humble he was about it too. Cause he just says off the cuff, well, yeah, you know, after my junior year, I could have transferred somewhere else. There were some opportunities. He doesn't mention that Bowling Green was 0-5 his yeah, junior they didn't, year. They didn't even win a game during their shortened COVID season. Yeah. They didn't win a single game. And and he and he was injured for uh for a good portion of that uh of the COVID season in 2020 as well. So uh, an interesting have? story there. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Um, real quickly, and I'm going to put you on the spot here before we get to uh, some of our closing thoughts, but um, Packers signed about a dozen undrafted free agents that will be part of the uh, the rookie mini camp and and the off season roster here moving forward into training camp. Anybody on that list of the uh, of the undrafted free agents that kind of that kind of caught your eye and that uh, that you know you want to uh, want to get them on the fans' radar uh, right from the get go here? Well, Brenton Cox is the biggest one. Yeah. He's the biggest name uh, when you look at the kid. You know, a, a former five star recruit at Georgia. He leaves Georgia. He goes to Florida. He doesn't finish last year with Georgia or with Florida, but was incredibly productive his his junior season a lot to like from an intangible standpoint and again even though they did draft Lucas Van Ness still a lot of opportunity there at edge rusher if that's where Green Bay ultimately decides to play him but the other one if I can just really quickly touch on it Henry Pearson is the name I have an eye on Mike because for the first time in four years the Packers have a fullback on their roster uh th that's just he's from App State but I believe he played with Shamar John Charles there this kid, he's a pass catching fullback, Mike. And if you're going to survive as a fullback in 2023, in the national football league, you have to be able to catch the football. He did that 74 career catches during his college career. The only year the Packers kept a fullback on the roster was Danny Vitale. I should say during Matt LaFleur's four years of as head coach, Danny Vitale in 2019. And I remember having this conversation with Aaron Jones back then. You give a lot of credit to Josiah DeGuara, how he's filled that Swiss Army knife role, the H-back role, how prevalent that is for the Packers in Green Bay. But I remember Aaron Jones telling me there's just something about running behind a fullback that is different. And it has become kind of a luxury position with 53-man rosters. But I'll tell you what, Mike, if Pearson comes in and shows that he can catch the football and block and do all those little intangibles, I still think there's always going to be a place for a fullback in Green Bay if they show that they can play. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, uh, certainly on Brenton Cox being the biggest name uh, amongst those um, undrafted free agents. Obviously, he's had the off-field issues, got dismissed from a couple of SEC programs, both Georgia and Florida. This is a young man who was 
going to be drafted. He would have had his name called if not for the off-field stuff. So the Packers are taking a chance here. Obviously, it's one of those players that you you know you give a very short leash. He knows it. He he has an opportunity to put all of that stuff behind him. And uh, and I'll be interested to see if he can if he can seize that opportunity in a place like Green Bay. And I'll just throw out one other name just because, again, of the the opportunity at tight end in this offense. Cameron McDonald from Florida State is here as a um, as an undrafted rookie. And uh, he's he's got he's got the physical profile of uh, um, of, uh, you know, a move tight end and a guy who can potentially get down the field. And and, um, you know, this that that's the kind of undrafted rookie that I could see playing quite a bit in in the preseason games in August and maybe getting a chance to uh, um, getting a chance to do something with uh, with Sean Clifford or Danny Etling throwing passes in August when uh, when those preseason games get into the second half, maybe has a chance to catch somebody's eye. So. Um, I have a couple other thoughts for you. Uh, one, with rookie minicamp this weekend, the players are actually arriving on Thursday uh, as as we're taping the show. As many of you might be watching or listening to it, they're arriving for the for the two days of rookie minicamp on Friday and Saturday. Uh, what are you most interested in in terms of uh, this this rookie minicamp? What are you going to have your eye on the most? You know, I, I wrote this in our insider inbox column. For me, it's always just seeing the the early draft picks in the uniform for the first time, just kind of getting those first impressions, just kind of tracking them throughout the practice. Also, on Friday, we'll be chatting potentially with all 13 guys from that rookie draft class, um, getting to know their personalities a little bit, getting to to kind of everyone's on their best behavior, obviously, but it is fun sort of being able to kind of mix it up a little bit. I try not to draw too many conclusions from these practices because I will never forget. I think it was in 2013 or 14. Mike McCarthy was asked for the MVP of the practice or the weekend. And it would ended up being a Kansas city, a Kansas state running back who did sign as a UFA, but got exactly $0 and zero cents as a signing (laughs) bonus. And I think, I don't even know if he ended up making it to training camp. So I don't know how much you can draw from these practices in terms of the actual, like, Hey, is this, is this a good pick or not? But I I am excited to see Van S in uniform for the first time. And, and, and honestly, just seeing how Jaden Reed moves and, and potentially what, what these guys offer uh, at their respective positions. And uh, hearing Rich Bisaccia probably yell at some rookies. I remember last year I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that's that was my biggest takeaway last year was, yeah. oh, Rich Bisaccia, this guy's not messing around. Yeah, absolutely. That'll that'll be that'll be fun to see that interaction. And sticking with that theme of special teams, I'm going to have my eye on the kicker from Auburn, Anders Carlson, just because we've heard so much about his injuries and that now he has supposedly has the brace off of his non-kicking leg and I'm always just interested any any time a new kicker comes along and you know they line up for they line up for some field goal attempts you know they're working on you know the protection and and different things like that but they kick the ball for real and it's always just interesting how does the ball come off the guy's foot what does it sound like what does it look like and uh because having watched Mason Crosby having covered his entire career since he arrived in 2007 you know what it's supposed to look like and sound like for an NFL kicker. And, and always that, that first impression when a new, when a new kicker comes in, you see him kicking in the Hudson center. That's always something that, uh, that I make a mental note of last thing for you, Wes, it was a long weekend. As we talked about Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the draft, the Packers took 13 players, nine of them on Saturday, 
my last thing for you as we wrap up kind of our draft review is what was your most, and this can be anything, I'll let you go wherever you want with this. What was your most memorable moment of covering the 2023 NFL draft for the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, uh, definitely. It was probably Patrick Moore walking out after they took Colby Wooden, who might be the only draft pick we didn't actually talk about today uh, in the fourth round. And he had that nice little, <laughs> that one-liner, that zinger as he was leaving. He's like, all right, uh, thanks guys. I'll, see her eight more times i'll be back eight, up here eight more eight times. more times yeah and at that moment i was like i was because th- i was thinking when they drafted what i'm like oh this won't be so bad and then i'm like oh wait we got eight more of these guys to go through um and then just the the seventh round i i, I joked with you before the draft about how i don't retain my my rhythm my plans my schedule for the draft at all this was number 14 for me now every one of them feels like the first time because it's just survival mode and trying yeah. to get content up and stories up and names out there and making sure that we spelled the names right. Like it's just a tornado of activity. So uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed Patrick Moore's line there. That, that made, that gave me a good chuckle. You probably heard it on the live stream if people were watching. <laughs> yeah. And I'm with you. I have, I have a different line that struck me and it didn't give me a chuckle, but in uh, in relation to your describing the tornado of activity, especially on Saturday, where we're going crazy with trying to keep the website updated, getting information up on the picks as soon as the Packers make them and all of that. And then we're we're absolutely exhausted at the end of Saturday. And the last person we're going to hear from at the podium is general manager Brian Gutekunst. And then he makes a comment after the Packers selected 13 guys and we are completely wiped out. He makes a comment that it already looks like the Packers will have 11 draft picks next year in 2024. Like that was like, I just paused. I sort of stared at the ceiling for a second. Like, are you kidding me? But he's obviously talking about, there's the extra pick from the New York jets, the Aaron Rodgers trade. That'll be either a second or a first rounder. And then he's already calculating the Packers potentially getting three compensatory draft picks based on the free agents they lost led by Alan Lazard and that, that contract that he got from the New York jets. So if you add the extra pick from Rogers and if the Packers do get three compensatories, yeah, you're already at 11 picks for the 2024 draft um, before anything else happens here. And, and that sort of, you know, I had to pause and sigh and go like, okay, but we can worry about that uh, uh, 12 months from now. But, Hats off to you, my friend. It was uh, it was a great it was a great weekend of coverage. We were uh, we were knocking it out on the website, doing the best we could for the fans. And yeah, it wiped us out, but it was a heck of a lot of fun too. Yeah, it was, and and we just got to be thankful that the undraft or the unrestricted free agency windows finally ended. So the compensatory formula is pretty much set. Yeah, over the cap does have Robert Tunyon right on the fringe of a seventh rounder though too. So that'll be the one we'll have to keep an eye on next year, but. Um, yeah, all, all being said, it was a good weekend. We, I think you and I, we, we, we navigated it pretty well, considering it was the most picks the Packers have made in 23 years. And now we get a chance to see what they're going to look like in a Packers uniform. Well, and a shout out to all the fans out there too. We had a tremendous weekend in terms of traffic on our website, the stories, the photo galleries, the videos, everything like that. We appreciate y'all following us and and uh, and keeping up with everything and enjoying the content that we're doing when we get to see those numbers it helps us feel pretty good about all the work that we're putting in because we're not just putting it out there in the ether 
for, you know, for nobody, there are people who are actually consuming the content and, uh, and we definitely appreciate the fans dedication to, uh, to a long weekend as well. Imagine how that would have felt Mike, if we would have gotten the report on Monday and it's like, Oh yeah, 148 people read the Van Ness story. And then <laughs> yeah. thankfully yeah. we, we covered the green Bay Packers. People naturally care yeah. about stuff. So we appreciate that. Yeah. And we, uh, we definitely appreciate all of, uh, all of the attention that they pay to, uh, to our content and to our website. So with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers unscripted. We'll be back next week to talk about rookie minicamp, some of the impressions without drawing too many conclusions as Wes warned us uh, earlier in the show, but we'll be back next week with that. So for Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in everybody. And we will see you next time. Tired of restless nights at Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 